from deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you um, saw this story. It, it really is, I guess, news of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. An arbitrator uh, this week ruled that executives at Fox, owned by Nice Corp until it's sold to Disney, the, the Fox studio, 20th Century Fox, lied, cheated, and committed fraud. Now, that wasn't Michael Cohen talking. That was the arbitrator in the, in the case of Fox versus the stars and creators of Bones. You remember Bones? The show enjoyed a successful run airing from 2005 to 2017. The uh, plaintiffs, which include the actors and the author of the novel upon which, novels upon which Bones was based, claimed they'd been defrauded by Fox in regard to legal profit participation. Bones is said to have earned almost $500 million, but written down as a loss. <laughs> How does that happen? The executives named in the uh, arbitration ruling included the CEO of Fox TV, Dana Walden, who's supposed to join Disney soon, and Fox TV chairman, Gary Newman. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have worked for Fox Studio under, um, I think, one or both of these people for uh, quite a while now. And I just have to, to uh, say, in all honesty, that, uh, and, and this is from the bottom of my heart, that, uh, oh, <laughs> we ran out of time for this segment. Hello, welcome to the show.
From New Orleans, Louisiana, Mardi Gras has come to town. Time to lay your burden down. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, News of Dominion. Well, what's more of a Dominion than Canada? I ask you. And so this uh, this story highlights what uh, what may set, set off a battle between Canada and the U.S. over our sense of dominion. America's heavy use of toilet paper, particularly the pillowy soft kind, is worsening climate change and taking a dramatic and irreversible toll on forests especially the Canadian boreal forest, according to a new report by two major environmental groups, the National Natural Resources Defense Council and Stand Earth, this is according to The Guardian. The boreal forest covers almost 60% of Canada. It's all forest. Forest and hockey. And is home to 600 indigenous communities. Its huge size means it can absorb large amounts of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. That forest can. The hockey can't equivalent to annual emissions of 24 million cars each year. The report found major brands' refusal to switch to sustainable materials in TP is having a devastating impact on forests and climate. About 28 million acres of Canadian boreal forest is cut down each year, an area the size of Pennsylvania. Well, why not just cut down Pennsylvania? Oh. Virgin pulp, the key ingredient in toilet paper. I said virgin pulp accounted for 23% of Canada's forest product exports. Americans, says the uh, Guardian and the reports, are particularly to blame for this crisis because we, we like it soft back there. They make up just over 4% of the world's population to Americans, yet account for more than 20% of global tissue consumption. The average four-person household in the U.S. uses <laughs> over 100 pounds of toilet paper a year. Bet you didn't know that. Come on, you learned something today just by being here. Major toilet paper brands have refused to use more sustainable materials, according to the report, because Americans tend to be more concerned than the rest of the world about ideal paper texture in their homes, largely due to decades of marketing around toilet paper softness. I blame Mr. Whipple. Mr. Whipple's got a lot to answer for right here, right now. I call Mr. Whipple to the stand. Your Honor... Previous reports into the environmental impact of toilet paper have found American desire for super soft multiply toilet paper to be, quote, worse than Hummers, unquote, for the environment. I think they mean the vehicles. Are there any options? In ancient Rome, Rome, they used a sponge on a stick. 
It would uh, be left in a pot of vinegar to be used the next time. Not all toilet... (laughs) Get your mind out of the pot of vinegar now. Not all toilet paper is equally damaging. Many manufacturers are already making more environmentally friendly products using recycled materials. But Mr. Whipple, I put it to you. The authors offer a scorecard system to rate the brands that have the biggest environmental impact, mostly the big brands of quilted paper that score badly. Charmin Ultra Soft, Kirkland Signature, and Angel Soft, all receiving F grades because they contain little or no recycled material. The reports add recycled materials are more commonly used in away-from-home tissue brands, like those found at offices or airports, where marketing for softness is less crucial, i.e., they don't care what you use. We, we, we better build a wall on that border. That's all I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but we do it because, we, you know, we got dominion. We'll cut down anything we need to have pillowy softness. Don't you think? Don't you think it's worth it? Some uh, news of the godly. You remember Cardinal Pell? He was um, the Australian prelate. Moved to a high post in the Vatican just as charges began to surface that he had turned a blind eye to uh, credible accusations of sexual abuse of minors by priests in his bailiwick. He's the most senior Catholic cleric ever convicted of child sex abuse. He was sent to prison this week. He'll wait two weeks to learn the length of his sentence for attacking two choir boys in a Melbourne cathedral. Melbourne Cathedral two decades ago. His bail was revoked at the end of a sentencing hearing in a packed courtroom. The judge will deliver his sentence on March 13th. A jury unanimously convicted Pell of abusing the two 13-year-olds in a rear room of St. Patrick's within weeks after becoming Archbishop of Melbourne. That happened in December, but he wasn't taken into custody immediately because he had knee surgery. You know, he wanted he wanted good knees in, pr- in prison. I guess both knees were placed. He's ready. He's good as new. His, no- his uh, lawyer told the jury during the trial that, quote, only a madman would take the risk of sexually abusing two boys in a cathedral room with the door open. This, uh, this week, during the sentencing hearing, the same lawyer described the abuse as a, quote, temporary loss of judgment in response to an irresistible impulse. In other words, wouldn't you? He tried to argue there were no aggravating circumstances to one of the offenses. It was, quote, no more than a plain vanilla sexual penetration case where the child is not actively participating, unquote. I'll never look at... The judge said, I must be clear to you now, that I am struggling with that submission, looking at your points here. So, what? The lawyer also suggested an incident in which Pell grabbed one of the boys by the genitals in an attack that lasted seconds was fleeting and not worthy of a jail sentence. The judge disagreed. There is a limit to these kinds of comparisons, he said. Uh, The... uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Pell, was removed by Francis the Talking Pope as a member of his cabinet, but he remained prefect 
of the Vatican's economy ministry until his term expired this month. Pell is no longer the Vatican's economy chief. The judge said Pell was guilty of a breach of trust with an element of brutality and had a sense of impunity. I see this as callous, brazen, offending, blatant. At the time, he thought he was going to get away with it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it, said the judge. Pell maintained his innocence throughout. The former Australian Prime Minister John Howard was among those who provided character references for Pell during the trial. You don't, don't want to hold that against him. I don't think you want to hold anything against him. I mean that, yes, in the most literal sense of the word. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news from outside the bubble. Here's another country ticked off with us over chlorinated chicken. The U.S. ambassador to Britain, Woody Johnson, has come under fire from a leading food critic, a farming union, and other campaigners over his push to open up the U.K., to American farmers once Britain leaves the European Union. Jay Rayner, a master chef critic, said the UK should tell Johnson where he can stick chlorinated chicken. That happens to be the US's preferred approach for protecting consumers from pathogens such as Salmonella and Campylobacter. Writing in the Telegraph, Ambassador Johnson attacked warnings that a post-Brexit trade deal would result in chlorine-washed chicken and hormone-pumped beef arriving on British supermarket shelves. He wrote, you've been presented with a false choice. Either stick to EU directives or find yourself flooded with American food of the lowest quality. Inflammatory and misleading terms like chlorinated chicken and hormone beef are deployed to cast American farming in the worst possible light, he said. It's time the myths are called out for what they really are, a smear campaign from people with a protectionist agenda. Johnson said the process of using chlorine to wash chicken. Did you know, by the way, you Americans, us Americans, chlorine to wash chicken? Why don't you just dump them in the pool, babe? Uh, that's the same process used by the EU farmers to treat their fruit and vegetables, said the U.S. ambassador. He said it's a public safety no-brainer, and it's the potentially most effective and economical way of dealing with potentially lethal bacteria. Rayner tweeted back, it, no, contrary to what he says, it's risky stuff. Quoting a study by the University of Southampton that found chlorine washing doesn't kill pathogens. Just adds to the flavor. The study was on salad vegetables, but the lead scientist made clear to me it applied to chicken as well, Rayner said. The, US, the reason U.S. farmers do this, says Nick Dearden of a campaign group, Global Justice Now, is because their animals are raised in such cramped conditions, the only way to stop them becoming diseased is to dunk them in chlorine. If UK farmers want to compete against American imports, they'll have to lower standards or go out of business. The British National Farmers Union has also raised concerns over food safety and animal welfare standards. When future trade deals are negotiated, it is imperative that any future trade deals do not allow the imports of food produced to lower standards than those required of British farmers, said the president of the British Farmers Union. A, uh, the chief, not a, the chief executive of Red Tractor, which oversees standards on many British farms, said categorically the U.K.'s food standards are now under threat from the commercial appetites of the U.S. food lobby. British people deserve better than having their world-leading food standards sold out from under them. 
A deal that allows illegal products to be brought into the U.K. lets down the British public and undermines all the investment and efforts of British farmers. He added, this cannot be the right thing to do. So the Brits don't like our chicken. Canadians don't like our toilet paper. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a tough world out there. Got to say. Um, now, what's happening with America's longest war? You don't hear about it all that much. It's our longest war. It's been going on ooh, since Hector was a pup. According to Chick Hearn there. For people who remember Chick Hearn. Well, more civilians were killed last year in Afghanistan than at any time since records have been kept. Not any records of any kind, I don't think. I think records about that. That's according to a new report from the UN. 3,800 civilian deaths last year, including 927 children. What about the children? What do we tell the children? That's the highest recorded numbers in the country's long-running war. That's a report came out a day before the next round of talks starts to end the conflict. Taliban sources told the BBC one of the group's co-founders is traveling to Qatar for the talks, which could improve the chances of a deal being reached. Why were the figures the worst since records began in 2009? Records didn't begin when the war began. Six years, they didn't keep records. Suddenly, oh, you know what? I think we should keep records. In 2018, there was a spike in suicide attacks by anti-government elements, as well as increased harm to civilians from aerial and search operations by pro-government sources. Those would be our guys, don't you know? The year saw the highest number of civilian casualties ever recorded from suicide attacks and aerial operations, more than 500 civilians killed by aerial operations for the first time on record. I don't think the Taliban has an Air Force. Ground engagements, mainly between pro-government forces and anti-government groups, also remained a leading cause of civilian casualties. More than 32,000 civilians killed and around 60,000 injured in a decade. It's time to put an end to this human misery and tragedy, says the top U.N. official in Afghanistan, Tadamichi Yamamoto. The best way to halt the killings and maiming of civilians is to stop the fighting, he said. Good luck with that, sir. The U.N. assistance mission in Afghanistan recorded 10,999 civilian casualties, 3,800 deaths, as I said, which it says represents a 5% increase in overall civilian casualties and an 11% in, in, in civilian deaths, 11% increase compared to 2017. More than 45,000 members of the security forces have been killed since uh, President Ghani took over in 2014. That's a figure far higher than previously thought. Well, there's progress in America's longest war. You know, it takes a heap of war to make a heap of bodies. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the war, won't you? No real credible candidate for uh, a different way of introducing this segment yet. Continue to search. Clouds currently cover about two-thirds of this planet. 
at any moment, but computer simulations of clouds have begun to suggest that as the Earth warms, clouds will become scarcer. Fewer white surfaces reflecting sunlight back to space means the Earth gets even warmer, leading to more cloud loss. The feedback loop could cause warming to spiral out of control. This is from Quanta magazine. For decades, rough calculations have suggested cloud loss could significantly impact climate. But recently, observations and simulations of clouds improved to the point where researchers could amass convincing evidence. Convincing except to uh, Republicans. Now, new findings reported in the journal Nature Geoscience make the case that the effects of cloud loss are dramatic enough to explain ancient warming episodes like the PETM. Pet milk? No. And to precipitate further disaster in the future, climate uh, physicists at the California Institute of Technology performed a state-of-the-art simulation of stratocumulus clouds, the low-lying blankety kind. No. We've had pillowy toilet paper and blankety clouds. Who says this program isn't comforting? The, the, the kind that have by far the largest cooling effect on the planet. Those are stratocumulus clouds. The simulation revealed a tipping point, a level of warming at which stratocumulus clouds break up altogether. Much like your favorite rock band. The disappearance occurs when the concentration of CO2 in the simulated atmosphere reaches 1,200 parts per million. We could get that part in about a century if we keep burning fossil fuels. We're not there yet. We're only a quarter of the way there. Once clouds go away, the climate goes over a cliff as a climate scientist at MIT, Kerry Emanuel. He's a leading authority on atmospheric physics. He called the new findings very plausible. Scientists now must make an effort to independently replicate the work, he adds. And he's got some good news. Possible economic collapse caused by near-term effects of climate change might curtail carbon emissions before the cloud tipping point is reached. Well, there you go. It's a self-fixing problem. Efforts to curb emissions of CO2 and tackle climate change in developed economies are beginning to pay off, according to research led by the Tyndall Center. Not the Tinder Center. Don't get excited, kids. At the University of East Anglia. The study suggests policies supporting renewable energy and energy efficiency are helping to reduce emissions in 18 developed economies. Hey, that's us. The group of countries represents 28% of global emissions. The team analyzed the reasons behind changes in CO2 emissions in countries where the emissions declined significantly between 2005 and 2015. Published in Nature Climate Change, the findings show that the fall in emissions was mainly due to renewable energy replacing fossil fuels and to decreasing energy use. That would have been during the uh, recession. Countries where CO2 emissions decreased the most were those with the largest number of energy and climate policies in place. But We've told you many times on this program, and by we I mean me, about we're losing insects, we're losing bees, we're losing birds. Now, add to the list, fish. Fish populations are declining as oceans warm, putting a key source of food and income at risk for millions of people around the world. New research published this week found that the amount of seafood that humans could sustainably harvest for a wide range of species, shrank by 4.1% from 1930 to 2010. 
as a casualty of human-caused climate change. 4% decline sounds small, but it's 1.4 million metric tons of fish over that period of time, says the lead author of the study, which appears in the journal Science. Scientists have warned that global warming will put pressure on the world's food supplies in coming decades. The new findings separate the effects of warming waters from other factors like overfishing, and they suggest climate change is already having a serious impact on seafood. Out of our uh, yearly consumption of animal protein, fish is 17%, as much as 70% for people living in some coastal and island countries, according to the U.N. That kind of makes sense since they're near the water. Gee. Fish provide a vital source of protein for over half the global population, says the author. As the oceans have warmed, some regions have been particularly hard hit in the northeast Atlantic and the Sea of Japan. The population has declined by as much as 35% over the period of the study. These East Asia regions, which have seen some of the largest decline in fishery productivity, is home to some of the largest growing human populations and populations that are highly dependent on seafood. So it's a system. No, no bees, no insects, no birds, no fish. Make sure we keep track of those cows. News of the Warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. But it's carnival time.
from New Orleans where we're doing what we want to. This is the show. And uh, President Trump, <laughs> President Trump, uh, did what he wanted to do yesterday. He spoke uh, Saturday, that is to say, to uh, the uh, big conservative conference, CPAC, and announced at the beginning that he was uh, going off script. He was not doing so out of uh, a desire to achieve uh, greater brevity. Speech lasted two hours and two minutes. Fidel Castro woke up in his grave just to say, we really. Um, it was uh, an interesting end to an interesting week for <laughs> the president. Um, it uh, contained the inconclusive is probably the best. Well, it did have a conclusion. He and uh, the president of North Korea, Chairman King Jong-un, Jong-un, both left their summit conference in Hanoi prematurely, premature withdrawal. Uh, Our side, uh, the United States side, said uh, the North Koreans were insisting on total lifting of the sanctions that we've applied against them uh, in return for any uh, reduction in their nuclear program. The North Koreans then took the rather unusual step of saying, no, that's not what we were asking for. Um, That wasn't the only time this week that the uh, leader of the free world has been accused of um, prevarication. There was the uh, rather remarkable hearing in front of the House Oversight Committee in which the president's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, who once said he'd take a bullet for the president, He took it and uh, shoved it somewhere this week. He testified that the president was a liar, a cheat, and a con man. And uh, among many other things that he testified to, some which could could turn out to be crimes. Um, But the president can't be indicted, according to current Justice Department guidance. My favorite coverage of the day, of that particular day when uh, Michael Cohen testified was later that evening. Uh, Brian Williams, who was suspended by NBC for lying, had as a guest on his program John Brennan, who lied to a Senate committee about whether the CIA was spying on the committee staffers' computers. As they discussed Michael Cohen's testimony, Michael Cohen, a convicted liar, his testimony about Donald Trump being a liar. It's a, it's a fairly complete picture now, I think. The circle is, is uh, closed. Sorry, your circle is closed. The other major story that involved uh, our leader uh, came late in the week when the, United, when the New York Times reported that President Trump, contrary to previous public assurances that he had nothing to do, uh, exerted no influence over the decision to grant his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, a top-secret security clearance. The Times reported he had indeed, and in fact, overruled the CIA, the FBI. He don't like them. And uh, also his chief of staff, John Kelly, and ordered the granting of a security clearance to Jared Kushner. He has the total right to do that. It's within his power. And uh, John Kelly 
the then chief of staff, um, felt so weird about it. He wrote a contemporary memo, contemporaneous memo, listing his concerns. We haven't seen that memo yet. And a lot of people are running around now saying, well, why did, yeah, he has the power to, to uh, grant a security clearance, but why is he lying about it? To which one can only say, he lies about almost everything. That's why, because he does. <laughs> that's, that, that's who he is. That's what he does. That's, you know, it's a long way around. Here's the short way. This week, for the first time, winning looks a lot like losing. And for the businessman turned chief executive, nothing makes a long plane trip home from Asia seem longer than bad in-flight entertainment. Mike. Yes, sir. Sorry I was sleeping when you buzzed. You didn't actually answer until I hit the electroshock button. (laughs) Deep sleeper, sir. How can I help? Help? Only wish someone could help. You can't help. But watch this. Look at this little Long Island pisher. Mm -hmm. Mr. Trump is a liar, a con man, and a mobster. Yes, sir. I I saw Mr. Cohen's statement. He says mobster like it's a bad thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair interpretation. Look, I know we got nothing from that fat show with the $2 haircut in North Korea. Well, he he did offer to shut down one warhead fabrication facility. That's like me offering to shut down one campus of Trump University. I think we made the best of the situation by walking out before he did. Listen, Mike, in case you haven't noticed one inedible rule of this life, nobody walks out on Trump. (laughs) I wouldn't think of trying. Good. Now, here's your new task. Mm Mm-hmm. Kim still likes me, right? Oh, I think you two retain a a remarkable chemistry. Yeah, it's like we're starring in a buddy cop movie with no crime, right? I think that's a fair interpretation. Okay. Now, his foreign minister guy came out and disagreed with our statement about why we walked. Mm -hmm. Made us look like liars or something. Yes, we suggested that they not do that. Great, great. So they owe us one. Mm. So here's your task. Mm-hmm. Get on the phone to Chairman Kim. We'll probably have to wait till we land. Security doesn't want Kim to have this number. Fine. Whenever. Soon whenever. But here's the deal. Get Kim to issue a new statement. Well, I, I don't think he's going to walk back the words of his own foreign minister. Forget about that. We want him to put out a strong statement, the kind he's terrific at, that says, no holds barred. Michael Cohen's a liar, mm-hmm. and specifically mm-hmm. that Kim has seen my grades in college and they're incredible. Can you do it? Well, sir, I think we can draft something brief and relatively to the point that uh, we can ask him to sign off on. Uh, whether he does or not... He's up to you. Right? That's a fair interpretation. Kellyanne, you're looking hot today. Thank you, sir. Your tie's looking even longer than usual. Hey, thanks. I was trying something. So, how's that no good husband of yours? Thinks bashing Trump is good for his law business? <laughs> Sir, I remember telling you a couple times before this that we've got an agent for a James Carville, Mary Madeline kind of deal after 2020. He's got to do that. It's his... His shtick. <laughs> I get it. I don't have to like it, but I get shtick. Teddy Roosevelt got shtick. So, like, darling, Mm -hmm. your whole team, the whole communication thing is not cooking on all cylinders? I think considering the crossfire we got this week, our messaging got out there 
pretty darn well. Ivanka doesn't want to do Colbert. Don Jr. grew that horrible beard. Now I, even I don't trust him. Eric, I don't know what's with him. But look, Bill Shine can take care of all that once he decides he still works for me. You, I've got a very special task for this week. Very sensitive. Very, you might say, delicate. I can do delicate. Okay, here's the story. I'm getting killed on the security clearance for Jared. The security hawks don't like it. The good government types don't like it. The people who don't like the Jews don't like I it. I get it. Some fine people. And you know, he said he wanted it. I got it for him. Now I'm taking heat for it. Where's he? I mean that literally. I don't know where the hell he is. According to my phone, he's somewhere in the Middle East. I know where he is. He's at some bank trying to raise money to save that ugly Fifth Avenue building of his from going down to tubes. Have you seen that thing? You wouldn't put something that looks like that in Orlando, never mind Fifth Freaking Avenue. Sir, my office says they can get him on the line for you. No. I don't want to do this. This is, it's family. It's, 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 it's business. It's, it's family business. Got to be done by an outsider who's still inside enough to be on the team. That's you. Here's the deal. You got to ask him to give back his security clearance. You know, I'm just brainstorming this as we speak, thinking this just might possibly be something for the security people. Kellyanne, use your beautiful noggin for once. If I wanted to handle by the security people in the first place, that's what I would have done. Delicate stuff like this is not for them. So, can you do it? He's going to take this as a negative thing coming from me. Doesn't have to be forever. This stuff runs its course, boils itself over. He can have his precious security clearance back. I mean, if it's such a big deal, he would have gotten his piece of crap building rescued by now. <laughs> so, you'll, uh, what do the kids say? Crush this task? This'll get out. No way of keeping it quiet. Quiet, schmiet. We just need to be able to say this is a fake story again. My husband will write three columns bashing me for it. So? I'll do it. It's good for the shtick. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make security clearances great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week, it always goes off script.
Now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright apologized to Senator Mitt Romney. He's a Republican from Utah. She said he was right to call Russia America's greatest geopolitical foe during the 2012 presidential campaign. I personally owe an apology to now Senator Romney because I think we underestimated what was going on in Russia, Albright said. I was on the CIA external advisory board. There was no question that less money was being put into Russian language and what was going on in Russia. During that presidential race, former President Obama mocked Romney for suggesting Russia posed such a large threat. He said, the 1980s are calling. They want their foreign policy back. This week, Albright said the intelligence community was late to recognize that Russia was such a dangerous geopolitical foe. We'd forgotten we're dealing with a KGB agent, she said. I think he's played a weak hand very well. Albright apologizing for not being Fulbright or half-bright. Vice President Pence's incoming chief of staff apologized this week for a column he wrote 27 years ago while in college that disparaged people living with HIV and AIDS. I regret using language as an undergraduate college student that was not reflective of the respect I try to show others today. That's uh, Mark Short in a statement to the Daily Beast, which broke the story on the article he'd written for the college paper. We've all learned a lot about AIDS over the past 30 years, and my heart goes out to all the victims of this terrible disease, he said in the statement. In the column, which was unearthed by a Democratic Oppo research group, Short wrote that, quote, repugnant homosexual intercourse was the leading cause of the transmission of HIV and AIDS. He criticized the propaganda campaign ignited by gay activists and carelessly perpetuated by journalists whose intent is to scare all heterosexuals into believing they're prime targets for contraction of the disease. The article published in a conservative publication co-founded by Short at Washington and Lee University. Who's the Lee in that? Lee University. He was appointed as Pence's chief of staff. He previously served as White House legislative director, did Mark Short. A physical altercation between the CEO of the San Francisco Giants, Larry Baer, and his wife was caught on video, and Major League Baseball says it plans to investigate the incident. The brief video taken at a park and obtained by TMZ shows Bear reaching toward his wife, Pam, in an apparent attempt to take something from her hand. Pam is heard screaming as her husband wrestles her to the ground, toppling her chair in the process. Oh, my God, help! Pam is heard yelling. The video then cuts to Larry Bear walking away and shouting, Stop, Pam, stop! towards his wife, who continues to cry out in the background. 
My wife and I had an unfortunate public argument related to a family member, and she had an injured foot, and she fell off her chair in the course of the argument. I'm truly sorry for the pain that I've brought to my wife, children, and to the organization. It's not reflective of the kind of person I aspire to be, but it happened, and I will do whatever it takes to make sure I never behave in such an inappropriate manner again. Unquote Larry Bear, CEO of the Giants. The uh, wife provided additional details that corroborated his description of the incident. We're deeply embarrassed by the situation, they said in a joint statement through the baseball team, and have resolved the issue. Dateline Katie, Texas, Sean Dolan, a candidate for the school board and outspoken critic, is facing criticism after he released the names of more than 2,000 people he said endorsed him. Several of those people said, no, they hadn't endorsed him. How did that happen? He released an apology video on his Facebook page for what he described as a mistake, you know, like you make when you think that when somebody says they like you on Facebook, that means that they actually like you, you see. I apologize to anyone I offended, angered, frustrated. I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong, and I'm wrong on this. He posted a list of endorsements onto his campaign website page. He got the names from his Facebook page. What I did was I grabbed a list of individuals who like me on Facebook, and I put them on the endorsement page. He equated a like with an endorsement, meaning a like. One, uh, one school uh, district employee said he liked Dolan's page to find more up, found out more about him, not endorse him. I'm a grown man. I'll endorse who I want to endorse. I've never met the man. He's, Dolan has since taken the names down and is only adding the names of people who ask to be listed. Like doesn't mean like. Dateline Nashville, Nashville's top prosecutors apologized for posing with a Confederate flag in a Kappa Alpha fraternity group photo in his college yearbook from 1982. Notice how many of these photos and yearbooks appear under the rubric of fraternities? In a statement, Nashville District Attorney General Glenn Funk said he found the photo while searching his yearbooks and felt compelled to disclose it after the Republican governor, Bill Lee, expressed regret for wearing a Confederate uniform for Old South parties with... Kappa Alpha at Auburn University. Funk brought the photo and a written statement of apology to the Nashville Scene newspaper. I was wrong to participate in divisive and hurtful behavior, he said in the statement. I apologize for the hurt caused then and now. The photo shows Funk and a few dozen of his fraternity brothers around the Confederate flag. The fraternity's national organization has prohibited the use of Confederate flags at any chapter since 2001 and banned the wearing of uniforms in 2010. Never too late. IBM has apologized after its recruitment web pages asked applicants whether their ethnicity, ethnicity, ethnicity was, among other options, the racial slurs, quote, yellow and mulatto, unquote. In online application forms for positions among other questions ranging from military veteran status and eligibility to work in America, a drop-down menu asked whether job seekers were Caucasian, black, or indigenous, yellow, or mulatto. Those questions were removed immediately when we became aware of it. Our recruiting websites temporarily inappropriately solicited information concerning 
ethnicity, said an IBM spokesman. We apologize. IBM hiring is based on skills and qualifications. We do not use race or ethnicity in the hiring process. Don't know how those came there. Dayline Williamson County, Tennessee, Daniel Holmes Fountain says his 13-year-old sister was quiet and seemed uncomfortable when she came home from school this week. She's an eighth grader, received an assignment which included asking students to pretend their family owns slaves and to create a list of expectations for the slaves. She felt like this is uncomfortable, Holmes Fountain said. I shouldn't be doing this. Dr. Mike Looney, superintendent of the county schools, tweeted an apology saying the assignment was insensitive and reflects poorly on our community. It doesn't reflect our district's commitment to treat all students with dignity and respect, unquote. Dr. Looney! U.S. Representative Matt Gates said he's personally apologized to President Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, after posting a taunting tweet that critics called plainly threatening on the eve of Cohen's testimony before the House Oversight Committee. I've personally apologized to at Michael Cohen 212 for referencing his pi- private family in the public square. Gates wrote in a tweet, let's leave the Cohen family alone. And by let's, he means him. Game publisher THQ Nordic concluded a promotional tizzy on Tuesday by apologizing for its use of the controversial image board site 8chan as a host for an Ask Me Anything Q&A session. On Tuesday, the uh, Twitter account for the company announced and linked to the AMA and drew responses about the site's reputation for outright hosting child pornography or skating on the edge of laws on the matter. I personally agreed to the AMA without doing my proper due diligence, says the marketing director of the company. I do not condone child pornography, white supremacy, or racism in any form. I'm terribly sorry for the short-sightedness of my decision and promise to be far more vigorous in my assessment of these activities in the future. This was not about being edgy. This blew up, and I very much regret to have done it in the first place. And the First Lady of Virginia has apologized after being accused of handing African-American children cotton during a historic tour of the governor's home. Government worker claimed Pam Northam asked the young students to imagine they were picking the cotton as slaves. First Lady's office told the BBC she's reached out to the family to apologize, says she did not single anyone out at the event. And um, later reporting by the Washington Post, who talked to, which talked to other students who did attend the event, white students, say that she did not single out the two or three black students in that group uh, for handling the cotton. She handed the cotton to everybody. So Pam Northam handing cotton wherever she goes. Glad we straightened that out. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show with a tip of the chapeau to the late Andre Previn. Program returns next week at the same time on the radio and uh, whenever you want it on your other audio device of choice. And it would be just like Mardi Gras all year round if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. That Chipotle so gets tipped to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Garrett Pittman here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address to get right straight to me, as well as the playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts in time for St. Patrick's Day, all at harryshare.com. And me, thank you for asking, I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. I only get to say it once a year and only when I'm here. See you in the street.